The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Wee Woo Wee Woo Emergency Edition of the Pick Six Podcast. It is the Mike McDonald just got hired by the Seattle Seahawks Emergency Edition. Uh, Will Brinson and Ryan Wilson are on a couples retreat right now, so I have Tyler Sullivan with me. I'm hosting the show. Everything's different. Uh, Tyler, how you doing, man? What's going on, Breach? Yeah, no, I hear Mobile, Alabama is very romantic this time of year for Will and, uh, and Ryan, so that's great. Right. February's right around the corner. Not a better time to do this. If you have Valentine's Day is around the corner, maybe pe- listeners need to plan something in Mobile, Alabama with their significant other. Uh, Solly, look, I'll just straight up ask you this question. What was your first reaction when you saw that the Seattle Seahawks are going from 72-year-old Pete Carroll to a guy half his age? You go from the oldest coach in the NFL to the youngest coach with the hiring of 36-year-old Mike McDonald. Isn't that what you do in relationships after you, you the long drawn out one, you get someone younger, you get someone hotter. Isn't that typically how these things go? I mean, I'm not sure about that because I'm just about to get married. So I'll find out, I guess, later God, on. In life. I hope your fiance is not listening. <laughs> but but ultimately, the, the, the reaction is one, I think it's a great hire. I think it's it's really encouraging to see what he was able to do in Baltimore over the last few years. Obviously, make that the best defense in the NFL in 2023, and that is something the Seattle Seahawks desperately need. You've looked at what they've been over the last decade, back when Dan Quinn was the defensive coordinator for them way back when. They've gone down in defensive efficiency in every single year to basically rock bottom in 2023. And so to bring in somebody to help stabilize that, who also will inject some youth into this overall program, I think it's a great hire. I think it's very encouraging. Obviously, there's a lot of questions that we'll get into, but just instant gut check, I think this is a good hire. Yeah, I mean, you look at what, look, Pete Carroll did a great job in Seattle, but sometimes your time is just up, and that's kind of what it felt like here. And I think one interesting thing is that, Obviously, with a lot of the coaching hires over the past few years, 
the hot thing to do has been, hey, let's hire this bright, smart, young offensive mind. And especially when you're coming from a coach who kind of uh, was a defensive coach, like Pete Carroll, defensive-minded coach. And so most teams would make the switch there and say, all right, it's time to go offense, but not the Seahawks. They're like, we like this style of football. It's been successful for us. We just want to kind of start over fresh with someone new. And Mike McDonald really feels like the perfect guy. I mean, you're talking about, you mentioned the Seahawks defense and, and how much it struggled uh, really this past season. And look, they gave up the third most yardage in the NFL uh, in 2023. And now you're going to a Ravens team that was tops in every metric. I think it was, they had the most sacks, forced the most turnovers, they got the defensive triple crown, and so it really feels like uh, Mike McDonald is going to be uh, just a fresh start, and he really could just right off the bat be successful in Seattle. What do you think? Yeah, fewest amount of points in the league Baltimore allowed this season, and I think they were top 10, maybe even top 5 in, in total yards allowed as well. So, yeah, I mean, across the board, they're st they were stacked on defense. They had a great scheme. I'm interested to see how he uses Devin Witherspoon, the promising first-round pick this past year, how he looks going into year two. They were using him this season, you know, coming off the edge as a blitzer, obviously using him in corners in coverage. I think that him working with a piece like that I think it's going to be fascinating to watch in 2024. But but you kind of hit on something there, too. We're talking about, you know, obviously the new thing in the NFL has been to hire from the Shanahan, McVay tree, offensive side of the ball. And this one doesn't seem to be related to that in any regard because it's obviously defensive side of the ball. It's a lot of Harbaugh connections going back to Michigan, Baltimore, both Harbaugh's. But I do think that there is still an element of the McVay Shanahan going into this decision, because if we look at what the Ravens were able to do against the Shanahan Kyle in, in Sean McVay offenses this year, I mean, they've just dominated. You look in, go down the list here. I mean, obviously they had an overtime win against the Los Angeles Chargers in week 14. They held the San Francisco 49ers and the Miami Dolphins to 19 points in back-to-back -back weeks. I think that that's something that Seattle's looking at saying, okay, you know, we might not be able to hire the next offensive genius. And maybe that's not what we want, but we're still in a division with Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. We need to find a way to stop those guys. And is McDonald the Shanahan stopper in some regards? I mean, we've seen that this year. So I think that there's some element to that in there, obviously not a direct offensive minded hire from that coaching tree, but that certainly was in the mind of the decision makers for Seattle to bring a guy like McDonald in. Yeah, I'm guessing uh, Mike McDonald's first interview probably went something like uh, they're asking him questions and they're like, guys, first of all, let's just pop in the tape from when the Ravens played the Seahawks earlier this year. Uh, Seattle scored three points. The Ravens won 37 to three and the Seahawks were probably like, eh, our offense wasn't that good. We're not that impressed. And then, as you mentioned, pop in the Christmas Day tape of 49ers Ravens when the 49ers had no idea what to do. I've never seen Kyle Shanahan look more befuddled. Because you look at those losses the 49ers had earlier in the season, they were dealing with injuries, whether it was Brock Purdy coming off the concussion, Debo Samuel missed a couple games, Trent Williams uh, missed a couple games. But that Christmas Day game, they were healthy. That was a showdown where they were fully loaded, they were ready to roll, and they got shut down. They could not do anything against what Mike McDonald was doing. And I do think there is definitely something to be said uh, for the point you just made. And then to go out and do that against... Uh, the Dolphins the next week, I think that the Seahawks had to think, all right, you know what? Maybe we can't match the firepower 
that these other teams have in our division, whether it's the McVay offense, the Shanahan offense, or uh, whatever it is the Cardinals throw out with Kyler Murray next year. But this guy has clearly shown that he can slow down these offenses. And look, he swept the, the Ravens swept the NFC West in 2023. And a big reason for that was because of Mike McDonald's defense. I feel like there's absolutely that plays a part in it. You know, they're not just hiring him because he swept the NFC West. Uh, but he's already got this track record that, hey, look, I can slow these offenses down. And that's all. The NFL is just a giant cat and mouse game where somebody comes up with something new. The defense has to figure out how to stop it. And that's where Mike McDonald, he's boom. Now he's about a step above these offenses. And if he continues to slow them down, you got to feel good about the Seahawks future. And I'll tell you this, too, just to further that point home. 8-0 this season, the Ravens were when facing the 49ers, Dolphins, Rams, Texans, Bengals, and Seahawks. All of those teams have Shanahan McVay ties on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, Seahawks, you know, not notwithstanding fully, but that is something that I think, like, I just want to say it again. I think that that's part of the calculus here for bringing somebody like that in. Not only did he lead the best defense in the NFL, but it is directly shutting down the two high powered offenses that they're going to have to go against four times a year in that division. Right. And then you kind of look at what the Seahawks did last year. And it just it, it was almost painful to watch because that, as you mentioned earlier, they've had some legendary defenses from the Legion of Boom the, and Pete Carroll's early years there in Seattle. Obviously, they went to two Super Bowls uh, during Pete Carroll's early time. And they showed flashes this year of possibly being good, but they just kind of never got over the hump. I mean, we saw them give up 30 points at home to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Solly, who gives up 30 points to that Steelers offense? Uh, you know, so I, I feel like that might have been the day where uh, Jody Allen said, all right, well, we can't bring Pete back. We'll get up 30 points to the Steelers. Exactly. I mean, go back to 2014 under Dan Quinn as the defensive coordinator. This Seahawks team was the number one defense in the NFL. You go all the way to 2023. You go that entire decade of a run. They finished in 2023 30th in the league, and every single year since that 2014 season, they've gone down in total defense. It's It's been a slow decline under Pete Carroll, and obviously they've gone through a multiple defensive coordinators in that time, so obviously that takes a hit. And certainly you lose talent like Richard Sherman and go down the list. You lose that legion of boom over time. But something needed to be changed here. You can't rank 30th in the league in a division where you need to shut down these offenses and in an NFL where, yes, obviously defenses are making a, a, a certain you know comeback, if you will. I know everybody talks about offenses, but you know you still have the Ravens' number one defense in the league, make it to an AFC championship game. The reason why the Kansas City Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers are even in the Super Bowl, I would argue, is because of their defenses. Still a huge part of the game as much as we talk about quarterbacks. So to bring somebody like that in, I think is going to be a night and day difference from a mentality standpoint and just from an overall scheme standpoint for this team in 2024. It, it, there's still a lot of questions about this team. Obviously, we do need to talk about the offensive side of the ball and who he brings in as an offensive coordinator. So that's going to be the next big question here and on, on top of Geno Smith as well. But from that side of the ball, I do think they're going to have a lot of their answers solved with the hiring of McDonald. Yeah, definitely. And I, I do think that the, you look at where the NFL is right now and you look at the five teams in the NFL this year that gave up the fewest points. So the five defenses that gave up the fewest points, the Ravens, the Chiefs, the 49ers, the Bills, the Cowboys. What do those five teams have in common? 
they all made the playoffs. They were all very good. And obviously your defense plays a huge factor. I mean, the old adage, offense sells tickets, defense wins championships. And, you know, obviously people are going to talk about the 49ers and Chiefs offenses leading up to the Super Bowl, but their defenses are a huge reason why they got there. So making a defensive hire when offensive hires are the hot thing goes against the grain, but this does feel like a smart move for the Seahawks. Let me ask you this, because obviously we, I think we both agree that we like this hire. How surprised are we that it was McDonald? And how surprised are we that it was not Dan Quinn? Because I think the second we saw that Pete Carroll was going to step down, get fired, whatever you want to call it, bump up into the front office in a certain degree in an advisory role, I think a lot of us thought, okay, well, Dan Quinn, come down aisle six. You're going to be the next head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. And obviously that didn't come to fruition. How surprised are you that that didn't happen and do you think that that was a mistake not going back to the to the Quinn Quinwell? I would say since the hire happened today, I was only about 5% surprised, but only because the Cowboys, you know, they've been out of the playoffs since January 14th. So if the if the Seahawks were going to hire Dan Quinn, right. it would have happened probably the week after that or, or at some point after. That. I did think they were going to hire Dan Quinn. I thought that was going to be the move. But as soon as it didn't happen quickly, it really felt like they kind of had that eye on someone else, whether that was uh, – Ben Johnson or Mike McDonald or one of these candidates that was still coaching when the Cowboys got eliminated. So, yeah, I think in the first – when Quinn didn't get hired, I would say the first 72 hours after the Cowboys got eliminated, it felt like they were going to pass on him. Uh, but, I, I mean, if you're Quinn, you got to feel jilted that they went the defensive route and they decided not to hire the guy who was familiar with the organization. Who knows? That might have actually worked against him because they wanted to bring in a new set of eyes and some fresh blood and not somebody who had worked with Pete Carroll. And that feels like the decision. Were you surprised that Quinn didn't get the job? No, I think that that's about right. Right. I, I think if obviously if they were going to hire him, it would have been relatively immediately because Dallas got eliminated. So it opened up the avenue for them to go down that path that they wanted to. As you mentioned, the further we go down this thing, you know, you're just waiting for Detroit with Ben Johnson, Baltimore to get eliminated, whoever those hot coaching candidates were that were still in the playoffs. You can kind of narrow it down just by process of elimination. So not ultimately surprised, but I did think that initially this was Dan Quinn's job to lose and, and whether or not he lost it for familiarity with Pete Carroll and them just wanting to go in a different direction. Maybe they just wanted to go young, whatever the case may be. I do find that just surprising in itself. You told me that Quinn was I don't know. Do you want to call him a top five hottest coaching candidate at one point this year going into the, going into this offseason? The fact that he now looks like he's going to be going back to Dallas when a job like Seattle was open. I would I would call that surprising. Yeah, and it's not like the Seahawks got very busy. You know, we saw the Falcons interview 15 candidates before finally settling on Raheem Morris. And this definitely wasn't that type of search. It felt like the Seahawks knew what they were looking for. They had a short list of candidates besides Dan Quinn. Uh, I think they talked to Patrick Graham, the Raiders defensive coordinator, another defensive coordinator. They talked to Hero Evero, the Panthers defensive coordinator, another defensive coordinator. I think uh, Ben Johnson and Mike Kafka were the only two offensive coordinators they talked to. I think that might be right. Yeah, so they did. I mean, this was a team that said that we have this certain set. This, this is what we want. These are the characteristics we want in a head coach, and it might not be the same as what all these other teams are doing. We don't need to interview 10 people because that's not our style. We know what we want. And so, yeah, I think, uh, like we said, we both like the hire. But as you alluded to earlier, huge question 
is who do you bring in to run this offense? Who's your quarterback? These are huge decisions that uh, Mike McDonald is going to have to make right away in the next few months. So what do you think there? Yeah, no, I mean, that is, like you said, the question. Now, I don't necessarily know who they would bring in as OC. Obviously, Shane Waldron, now the offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. So there's a hole there, especially after, you know, when allowing all these coaches to seek other opportunities with Pete Carroll getting bumped out of that head coaching spot. Now, I don't necessarily know what they're going to do at that spot. Maybe they bring somebody in from Baltimore. Maybe there's somebody there. Or is there somebody from Michigan that Jim Harbaugh didn't bring over to Los Angeles because there's a relationship obviously going back to his days with the Wolverines. You go down the list, you can see what, what ultimately he'll decide to bring in. But I do think that that is the number one aspect of all of these defensive head coaching hires is – what are you going to do on offense? D'Amico Ryans comes into Houston last offseason, brings in Bobby Slowick from San Francisco, and that's going on, gone off in flying colors. It's been a fantastic hire, and the fact that they were able to retain him in Houston is huge. And so to me, it's not only a which offensive coordinator you're going to bring in, but you also have to be comfortable with the fact that that dude might bolt for a head coaching job in the next offseason. So there's a lot of layers there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we mentioned Mike Kafka, the Giants offense coordinator. The Seahawks interviewed him twice. Maybe they call him up and they're like, hey, you want to change the scenery? Uh, we know Brian Dable's running the offense over there. And you're just kind of, you know, if you're an offense coordinator, you probably don't love to play second fiddle to the head coach when it's an offensive minded coach. And if there's a place where you can get more free reign, because if you're if you take the job in Seattle, you're basically the offensive head coach. I don't think that Mike McDonald's going to uh, dabble too much. He's just going to trust you and say, all right, you're the offensive guy, and I trust you to do everything. So I could see uh, maybe Kafka being interested if the Seahawks were interested. Um, you mentioned maybe he brings somebody from the Baltimore staff. Uh, T. Martin was the QB coach there. That would be an interesting hire. I don't think he has been an offensive coordinator in his career, but he's been with the Ravens for the past few years. Uh, so he is certainly very familiar with Mike McDonald. Um, yeah, but those are your big questions. And the Geno Smith question is really the most interesting one because, look, McDonald got to face this offense, as we mentioned earlier, and he absolutely shut it down. I mean, the Seahawks did nothing. I think that was the Seahawks' worst loss of the season. Uh, it, the final score was 37-3, to so Seattle just did absolutely nothing. Geno Smith. 157 yards, one interception, got sacked four times. And if McDonald's thinking, man, that was just too easy. I, this guy's easy to shut down. Or the Seahawks offense is easy to shut down. Maybe it's an offensive philosophy thing. Uh, but I could see him at least snooping around for other quarterbacks this offseason. Yeah, I think, you know, talking to Geno Smith's future, I, I think we do have to take a break. So I think we maybe we give that a little bit of a hook to say what we'll talk about with Geno Smith's future after a little short message, I would assume. You could toss it over there. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back. That is my co-host, Tyler Sullivan. I ignored our producer, Harry. Uh, as we know, oh, Victor Garcia with the comment breach as the host. I did not have that on my bingo card. I'll be honest. I didn't have that on my bingo card. So uh, here we are. And the funny thing is that Tyler and I will actually be back tomorrow. So we're getting a trial run here, Tyler, uh, to see if we'll have our own show. B&T, is that we call it? Breach and Tyler? Or- I like I like it. You know, listen, if, you, if you're going to ignore Harry, it's fine. You can lay it up to me and we can go back and forth. It's like a LeBron and D-Wade type of thing. It'll be That's totally, how it's got to totally work. Totally fine. You can be LeBron. I'll be D-Wade. All right, that's fine. My Celtics banners around this room, I don't think would like it too much, but sure, that's that's totally fine. But no, just to the conversation that we were talking about before the break about Geno Smith, I think that that's, again, as much as we're going to talk about the offensive coordinator spot, it is such a pivotal year coming up for Geno Smith. They could technically get out of his contract this offseason. I think it's about $30 million in, ter- in terms of a cap hit, and then dead cap's like $17 million, so you could basically cut half of it. But that gets extremely easy to cut after the 2024 season. So you're kind of looking at a lame duck quarterback in Geno Smith. And if you don't hire the right offensive coordinator and that offense goes awry, you might be talking about a completely stripped offense going into next off season where you're looking for a new OC, a new quarterback. There's just a lot of questions with an offense that has weapons like Jackson Smith and Jigba, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. There's pieces there to be impactful and be effective next year. But if Geno Smith takes a step back and or you don't hire the right OC, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, and that's why this is an interesting decision because I do think the right move is probably to keep Geno for one more season because he's already under contract. He's under contract at a very affordable rate, and you just give him the trial run. And if you bring in a new offensive coordinator – that kind of gives that offense coordinator safety net, knowing he's not going to lose his job if the offense doesn't work because you just blame it on Geno and get rid of Geno. And look, the Seahawks are, they don't pick in the top 15. So it's not like drafting a quarterback is an option unless they got crazy uh, or unless they really like someone, the third or fourth or even fifth best quarterback. And I'm not sure you want to use a first round pick on that if you feel like you're only a couple players away. I mean, this team went nine and eight last year. And if you're a head coach, you want to feel like, hey, if we won nine games, if we add one or two, three key players for 2024, we can win 10 games. Maybe we can win 11 games. So I don't think you want to blow things up and start over. So I think keeping Geno for 2024 makes sense. And as you said, a ton of weapons there. So uh, one, yeah. one thing that I think that they could possibly do, and I think that this is probably the right 
route to go down if you're Seattle in terms of building this thing around McDonald, specifically the offense? Because as much as we talk about him on the defensive side, he's going to need help on offense. And Ryan Wilson probably can speak to this a little bit better than me, but is this a team that's earmarked for a day two quarterback? Because that to me feels like that would make a ton of sense. If all of a sudden, you know, a guy like, I don't know, JJ McCarthy is in day two somewhere and he starts to fall a little bit and Seattle's on the clock. Is he somebody you bring in to say, okay, you can just kind of get introduced into the NFL behind Geno Smith for a year and we'll see if we like you for 2025. That, that to me seems like a perfect kind of team Seattle with the way that Geno Smith's contracts currently constituted, you can have him for 2024 work through the offense, kind of build your identity. And if he falls off, or if you just feel like, Hey, listen, we like whoever we draft, whether it be JJ McCarthy or whoever you find on day two or day three, that could be a, they feel like a team that does that. Yeah. And it's interesting that you used JJ McCarthy as your example, because that is someone that Mike McDonald would be familiar with. So I think if the Seahawks did draft him since he was, uh, uh, or McDonald was at Michigan with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, so he saw him all the time. And, and I think there's something to be said for a coach who hires a quarterback that he saw in college. But yeah, I think that a day two quarterback absolutely would make sense. And that's kind of your safety net for Geno Smith. If the team struggles, if you start off through your first eight games and you're three and five, you can say, all right, let's get rid of Geno and play the rookie. Or if Gino gets hurt and you have a Titan situation, you know, where Ryan Tano hurts his ankle, Will Levis comes in, looks pretty good. And they said, all right, well, you're the starter for the rest of the season. You're just in a situation where you have your possible quarterback of the future and you can give him a trial run, but there's not too much pressure because he is a day two or even day three pick. So, yeah, I do think that that makes a lot of sense. Solly, what is your grade for this hire? Now, you said you liked it, but do you A plus like it or is this like B plus like it? Yeah, no, it's more B plus likes it. I think that that's that's probably where I stand because admittedly, we don't have the full picture. It's a lot easier as much as we're praising the defensive side. And I think it's super important to to fix that for Seattle. It's just there's such an advantage for hiring an offensive head coach because you don't have to worry about the turnover of coordinators year in and year out and how that impacts your offense. Because at the end of the day, that's the number one priority. So to me, I, I give it a B plus. I like the hire. I like McDonald. I like what he should be able to do to that defense to fix it with the pieces that they have in place on top of the guys that they'll probably add this offseason. But the fact that we still don't know what they're going to do on offense, to me, is what keeps it out of that A range. Yeah, and, and I think that is the ultimate struggle you have as an owner when you don't hire an offensive head coach is that, look, if you get a great offense coordinator, they're gone. They're not going to last more than two years. Uh, we saw the rarity with Ben Johnson turning down any saying, hey, I'm done. I'm going to stay in Detroit. Go ahead. I can see you really want to say something about Ben no, Johnson. No, 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 no. You're right there. Go for it. And yeah. So if that's that's a rarity, you do not see that very often. I thought that was absolutely we could have an emergency podcast on that decision because that was bonkers. That was the last thing I expected to see this week. But again, that's what happens, though, for the most part. You don't see offense coordinators do that. You just lose them. They're gone. And then you have to start over from scratch. Uh, so unless you have a legendary defense, a historically great defense uh, every year, you really have to be Bill Belichick and find your Tom Brady. Of course, nobody else can find a Tom Brady, though, right? 
Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't think that that's that's typically possible. AJ McCarthy went to Michigan. Tom Brady went to Michigan. <laughs> I think. Yeah, sure. Number three overall pick. Let's go. Let's go New England. Let's bring. Let's bring it in. But you know, I do think one thing that's worth pointing out with with McDonald here, though, is the fact that I know I, I believe NFL Network. I think it was uh, Tom Pelissero had that it was a six year deal that they signed him to, which is a pretty lofty commitment because I feel like you typically see four five years in these reported deals i forget who it was but i believe that one of the head coaches wasn't harbaugh like a five-year deal or something like that with the los angeles chargers so to get a six-year deal for a guy that's one of the youngest head coaches in the nfl is to me speaks volumes about the commitment that they have obviously these head coaching deals are fully guaranteed you move off of one of these coaches you're paying that entire contract the rest of the way so the fact that they're investing the time on top of whatever the money may be for a first-time head coach, I, I do think is interesting. So obviously, you know, as much as I give it a B plus, there's clearly motivation. There's clearly excitement for this team to not only have McDonald for now, but for the future as well. Well, I think that gives the coach some security. Like, hey, I'm going to take this job, but I don't want to be worried about getting fired in year two. I need some time to get what I want in place. And we're going to right the ship, get the Seahawks back to the playoffs. Uh, and so it is interesting to see the six years. But I do feel like that the coaching contracts are kind of inching this way because we saw Dave Canales uh, get six years with the okay. Panthers. Although I, I think that's the only way they could probably convince anyone to get the Panthers job is Tepper <laughs> said, fine, I'll give you a six year contract since they'll probably fire after one year and then. You'll be a mil you'll have $40 million in your pocket for the next five years while you sit on a beach somewhere. Um, yeah, but it does feel like that is what feels right. Cause I think a lot of these coaches, you go in there and you're thinking, God, I could get fired in two or three years. At least I have this job security, and this will make them hesitant to pull the trigger because hey, they have to pay me out uh the rest of this time. I think another thing interesting here is that you already have your front office guy, John Schneider. So a lot of these coaches, you know, Jim Harbaugh is going in with a new general manager. Jim Harbaugh is going to have a lot of power there. Dave Canales in Carolina going in with a new general manager, somebody that he's familiar with because they have they go way back because uh, they were in Seattle together. Uh, and then you look at Atlanta where Raheem Morris was already in the organization. He was already familiar with Rich McKay from their time in Tampa Bay together. So you had head coaches that were familiar with the front office. And then you have this where John Schneider is going to be the personnel guy. He's going to be the draft guy and your coach is just going to coach. So are you surprised at all? This does feel like a situation where, you know, obviously they're going to collaborate, but I don't know how much say Mike McDonald's going to have ultimately say in the draft room. Right. And the fact that, again, it's a first time head coach, it's not like somebody like Vrabel, who's kind of been there before as a head coach, worked with personnel. So we're really going to see Schneider as the architect of whatever this next era is going to be for Seattle, which includes the hiring of, of McDonald. So, I mean, let's, you know, you throw that in there as well. No, I, I, you know, as much as you say, OK, you know, maybe sometimes you would like to have like the hardball type of model where, they run the entire organization and the, almost the GM answers to the head coach. I think you can have it both ways. I do think that you can work it this way as well and still have a successful team. I mean, I mean, heck, they've had a pretty good draft under Snyder last year, bringing in Jackson Smith and Jigba and Witherspoon. So I do like the trajectory of this organization. My big question is what's quarterback going to be? But again, that's, that's a conversation for maybe a different offseason. Yeah, and I will say, look, I thought when we got rid of Josh McDaniels that my confusion of Josh McDaniels, Mike <laughs> McDaniel, 
which which one has the S, which one doesn't have the S. And now we have Mike McDonald and Mike McDaniel. And so the Mick is just going to slip out the wrong way. Let me ask and, you. And, uh, one's, and one's like a lowercase D and right. one's of a capital D. It's 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 very exciting. Very exciting for us writers to have to deal with that. So confusing. How <laughs> old do you feel? Because I, we mentioned it at the top, but we'll mention it one more time. Mike McDonald is now the youngest head coach in the entire NFL. As Solly mentioned before the podcast, Jared Mayo got to hold that title for all of, what, <laughs> three weeks? So you have... McDonald is 36. Sully, how old does that make you feel? Uh, not that old because I'm only 30. So that's great. So I'm, I'm I'm all good. But it's funny because it's my entire lifetime in between McDonald and Pete Carroll, which is which is pretty <laughs> remarkable to see, see all of that go down. But it is interesting to see these teams, whether it be Seattle or even up here in New England, going from these super old head coaches to now this whole young wave of young head coaches. So, you know, it is interesting to see kind of like what that is going to do to the, the cult, overall culture of the organization. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know what? It's funny that the NFL is just angling that way to younger coaches, even though you look at the three oldest coaches in the NFL right now, Andy Reid, John Harbaugh, Mike McCarthy. So, you know, there's something that said with the wisdom and age comes experience that those guys are good, but, to coach that well in the NFL, you have to be good. Otherwise, you won't have a job much longer. Uh, but, hey, the young, fresh face is the way to go, right? I mean, let's. this is the next question, though, right? Obviously, Seattle's now filled. There's one more head coaching position that needs to be filled in Washington. Do we think that's going to be a younger guy, or do we think that's going to be a Dan Quinn, Belichick coming out of the clouds, or do we see this trend of younger head coaches? Because I thought this was going to be Ben Johnson's job in Washington. Ultimately, he's going back to Detroit. Where do we see this going now with one spot left? It is, I don't even know what to say about what's going on with the commander search. Because for them to, because the fact that they have made a hire also makes it feel like they were waiting for one of these guys who was playing in the conference title weekend to come available. And to have Ben Johnson just kind of blow things up in your face while you're on a flight to go to Detroit to visit Ben Johnson. And of course, you still get the interview with Aaron Glenn. So it's not like that trip was a total waste. But I mean, I'm sure that had to be a shock to their system. Uh, you know, we heard Belichick, got, they they just dumped him off the canopy, decided not to talk to him. But I, do you start over from scratch and just reevaluate? Or do you, because we also, Bobby Slowick pulled out so you're slowly losing all these candidates that you felt pretty confident about. And look, there's Aaron Glenn, Dan Quinn, Eric Bieniemy. I'm trying to think of who else they've even talked to. That I don't know if they've the talked job. to him yet, but I think Mike Vrabel is the sleeping giant for that for that opening because I I still think that he is one of the better in-game coaches that we have in the NFL. Obviously, it didn't work out with Tennessee, but if you tell me you could bring in a guy like Adam Peters to run your front office, you have all the cap space. I believe that they have the number one cap space in the NFL this offseason, a number two overall pick. And if you bring in a guy like Mike Vrabel who can establish a culture pretty much overnight and is still a great game manager, like I said in my mind, that to me would be a home run type of combination. So, you know, I don't know if they've talked to him. I don't know if he's on their radar in that regard. Maybe they wanted, wanted to bring in McDonald or Ben Johnson. But to me, if you're going to strip it back and start this whole process over, I think he's a guy that a lot of these teams are going to regret not hiring. Yeah, I think Vrabel makes a lot of sense. The only question is, 
how set were they on getting an offensive-minded coach? Because like we just said, with Ben Johnson uh, thought of so highly and uh, Bobby Slowick, and they were really looking at these offensive coaches. And now you just have defensive coaches, whether it's Dan Quinn, whether it's Mike Vrabel, whether it's Aaron Glenn, or even if you went with Belichick, that's another defensive coach. So it does feel like it is going to be a defensive fire. And I do think Mike Vrabel makes a ton of sense. That is a fantastic suggestion. If uh, anybody in the commander's front office is listening, Solly would be glad to uh, be an assistant general manager and sign off on this hire because it's what you should do. Uh, but you know what? We're not here to do it at Commander's Emergency Podcast because we're going to do that when they make their hiring. Solly, this was fun. Uh, the Ravens have their new coach. Or, gosh, the Ravens lost their defensive coordinator. The Seahawks have their new coach. Uh, and we'll see you guys for another emergency podcast whenever the Commanders make their hire. Solly and I will see you guys on Thursday for a regularly scheduled Super Bowl podcast uh, for Sullivan for Breach. See you guys later.